fair to say you simply flooded the system with money? Yes, we did. That's another way to think about it. We did. Where does it come from? Do you just print it? We print it digitally. Look at what it means. This is why I'm saying, like, this is a lie that's been purported by Wall Street. The lowest rates, everything gets better all of a sudden. Uh, it just doesn't work that way. What about hard work? What about it? You work high. Gods were like 30 to 1 against me. Yeah, I mean, there are very few people that, from my neighborhood, you know, in my environment, that make it out. Uh, I mean, forget about being to be successful, to make it out alive. Alive. Top of the top. Welcome to Trading Places. We back with another episode. The guys is back. Uh, as usual, we just here to drop off free game, conversation, and education. I'm here with my guys, Rashid. What's up? What's going on? She's Stradamus, and I'm here with Swan. Yo, what up? Petty put God. <laughs> All right, man. Well, let's just get right the fuck into it. Last week, we called out Ethereum, and we've been calling it out since late April. It was at 286 when we was recording last week. As of this morning, it's at 355. So it burst through, you know, that February high. And now here we are sniffing at the 400s. Now, the 2019 highs, I believe, was 385 or maybe 365. Um, Somebody fact check me on that. If we burst through that 400 mark, it's over. I will start to feel comfortable saying, okay, it's officially bull season. Like yeah, man. Those back. Like the bull season has started. Um, it hasn't, I don't, I don't want to say it's hit the everyday person just yet because I haven't got calls from my sixth grade teacher not or not I haven't yet. had conversations <laughs> with the construction guy on the corner, you know, telling me, oh man, you, you got to get into that Bitcoin. So I don't think it just hit yet. I don't think we're going to see that until I've been saying for the longest, until Bitcoin crosses like 16, 17K, I don't think we're going to start to see that like the uh, crypto watch on, at the bottom of CNBC. Anytime you start to see CNBC hop on something, that's the top. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're starting to mention it more, but they um, but they not they don't have a full blown tracker. Like, you know what I'm saying? They're not all the way there yet with it. But so that- it's coming. Stay tuned. So the high of 2019 is a uh, 365. Okay, so 365. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, man, that ether, man, that shit to make your soul burn slow. Facts. <laughs> and it's just like more and more activity is happening on Ethereum, and like right now we haven't even hit 2.0 yet. I know they have released the the test net, and basically that's just like a sneak peek of the next version of this coin. Right. But for those out there, a lot of people are now, not a lot of people, but some people are, well, how do I get exposure to crypto? Maybe because they believe the asset price as a whole is too expensive. There are other ways to gain exposure to crypto, but the beauty of crypto is that you could buy fractionally. Like I know some people who just buy $40 every week. So you could just average in. You don't got to buy a whole one, you know. And I would time. advise that you average in. I would, you know, me personally, I, I think trying to pick out when's the best time to buy crypto, you will drive yourself crazy. Because, I mean, this is a very volatile market. So you have to understand it's going to be very high ups and very low lows. So 
the best approach is really to just pick an amount and then pick purchase that same amount whether it's daily weekly monthly and just have a plan to stick to it facts because yeah. the market swings all the time like around the clock and so you can't you know really predict when's the perfect entry point no. just when you when you're comfortable and you know don't put in no bread that that you that you need that you're gonna lose right that you can't afford to lose i think um a lot of people don't know like i'm, I'm glad you bought up you can buy like a part um, or a piece of Ethereum or Bitcoin and stuff like that. A lot of people don't know that. I know I myself, like, when I first got into crypto, I didn't fully understand that. I thought it was like an all or nothing thing. And then X introduced me to games. So, yeah, I was able I was able to, you know, increase my portfolio over time doing buying portions of crypto. Like, right. points that I enjoyed or, you know, thought would be worth something in the future because of the technology. Mm-hmm. And that's the way to do it. That that strategy is called dollar cost averaging. So, you know, what you do is as the price is going up, you, you can continue to buy. But then as the price crashes, if, if your if your belief of what's going on, you know, hasn't fundamentally changed, then you should just be looking at like, oh, that's on sale. That's that's 50 percent off. That's 40 percent off. That's a deal. You know what I'm saying? We go to the store and spend more money when that happens. But you know what I'm saying? Like we don't view our assets that way. And that has to change. No, definitely. And there are other exciting projects out there. You know, we don't want to just, you know, bang the table on Ethereum. Obviously, yeah. uh, we have a little bit of bias. You know, we love. Nah, the not we. Not we. Yeah, you. Well, <laughs> yeah, me. Because um, I've been really heavy on Ethereum, like going off of Ethereum ever since I was introduced to it. When I started looking at it, it was uh, late 2016. Right, and it was it was a time during the ICO that I missed out on. Remember, a bunch of my my homies out in the Bay they had got in on the ICO. At the time, I was you know what they call like Bitcoin and nothing, right? But I'm of the belief now that Ethereum is going to lead this next crazy run in crypto. Now I'm not here to you know be like the YouTube guys and say well it's going to hit ten thousand twenty. I don't know. Right, the shit could hit zero, and you gotta be—you have to be extremely mindful of that. That it can go to zero, or it can go to ten thousand. We don't know, but from a purely fundamental view and technical view, it looked like it's headed up. Um, but just something to keep keep an eye on. Who knows? We'll come back next week. Maybe it's at four hundred. Maybe it's at two hundred. But I think, depending on your time horizon. Right in your risk tolerance, if you're willing to sit for two, three, four years, I think you'll come out happy, right? With all the projects being built on top of it. But then we've seen some this week, some projects is moving away from it, right? Like Ave, they're building their own um, blockchain and they're going to launch staking. And basically, what staking for everybody out there that's not aware of what staking is, is basically like a you know what savings accounts used to be, right? Because right now. We're in a zero interest rate environment where any money that you have sitting in the savings account is not appreciated at all. It's not getting no, you're not making no money off that money. It's just sitting there. And it's gonna be it's gonna be lapped up by inflation, which is on average two percent every year. And the more that they print money, the more that Jerome Powell in the Fed print his bread up, 
the more it's going to cause asset prices like Bitcoin, like gold, like silver to jump up. Yeah, you I mean, you, before before you started talking about the staking point, you brought up a really good point um, about Ethereum and projects starting to leave Ethereum. And one of the reasons for that. So Ethereum is used for what they call gas. So, you know, the theory you have the Ethereum network and then the ETH token that you're buying that's used for what's called gas. And what the gas does is it fuels smart contracts. So to execute the code in these smart contracts, you need gas. And right now, what they have, they call gas fees. These are like the fees to do things on the network. They're extremely high. So um, for some of the yield farming, like we were seeing, like with uh, an Ave, um, Comp, and... uh, this Wi-Fi token, you know, these tokens this def- that are in this DeFi space, that's what's been booming. That's been holding up Ethereum. And that, that's one of the biggest things that's really driving the growth and the interest in Ethereum right now in this cycle. Um, but it's been it's become a very, very expensive. So like the gas fees, I tried to put in a transaction on Ethereum um, trying to use this project called Curve. And I just wanted to do a hundred fifty dollar transaction to t- try it out, and the gas fees were were thirty seven dollars. So if you just want to try it out, you you can't. The gas is too expensive. So that's why that's why projects like Ave and things like Polkadot and things like Cosmos, you know, those are starting to gain traction. And even the Cardano, you know, they'll have the smart contracts later in the year, hopefully, if everything goes according to plan. So. It's a very exciting time in the space. And when you get in, when you get, when you make the decision to invest, especially outside of Bitcoin, you really have to be paying attention to what's going on. Um, and that's why we're here. We're here to help you with that journey um, because it, stuff is changing all the time. Yo, I'm not going to front. The energy I feel for crypto is like the energy I felt for like, you know, sneakers and clothes when I was like in the 10th grade. And I was like, the energy I feel for like Ethereum and Ave and Monero is the energy I felt when I walked into Supreme back when I was in high school or um, Dave's Quality Meat, you know, which is no longer here, but has some good stuff. Or, man, um, shout out to DQ. Fight Club, man, or A-Life. Like, that's the energy. Yo, it, I, and I don't want to compare it to Hypebeat's energy, um, but it's like some a thrill that you get as you see the technology progress. That's what I'm talking about. Like, um, seeing that technology progress, seeing more people adopt it, and even, you know, um, for the people that got in early, seeing that, you know, the money go up. Um, Programmable money. Yeah. Right. Get in early and then flip it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Into other projects. I know that's popular. The energy that I'm feeling right now that I'm seeing is starting to remind me of early 2017. And if you look at the charts and you go back to summer of 2017, like early summer 2017, it looks eerily similar to the charts right now. And the all-time high for at the peak, the top of the market back then, before we hit the reset button, in January 2018, Bitcoin had cracked 20k. Ethereum had cracked 1400. What's interesting about that is, I remember, you know, during the first 
real bull run in crypto. I was living out in the Bay. Um, I took a trip down to Atlanta and I met some guys from a company called BitPay. At the time, I had no fucking clue what BitPay was. I had no fucking clue what Bitcoin was. Um, as heavy as I like to research tech, I just probably ignored it or just really didn't pay attention. But this guy tried to get me to buy 10 Bitcoin at the time and they were about $16, $17. I can't remember exactly, but I know they were in the low teens. And um, I passed. Later that year, I see Bitcoin go up to, I think, a high of 1200 Again, forgive me if I'm wrong. I could be butchering these numbers. I don't have a chart right in front of me. But man, did I kick myself. And then four years later, we see Bitcoin go to 20K. Um, and oftentimes, I'm not predicting the future, but often the asset price is higher than it last was at its peak during the last bull run. So that just gives you an idea of the potential, you know, of where this could go. Um, yeah. hundred hundred K would be nothing. Sure. See, I used to think that that was such a crazy fucking number when people used to go around saying that in you know 2016, 2017, it was like, yo, Bitcoin is gonna be a hundred K by 2025, or you know, shit. Some people said a hundred, a hundred K. Actually, I saw someone say it's gonna be a quarter mil by the end of 2023. I wouldn't be surprised because a hundred K is nothing. And the re- let me explain why a hundred K is nothing. So right now, Bitcoin is two hundred. 15 billion a market cap and we're sitting at 11k so let's round it down to 10 10 let's say it was 10k and the market cap is something like what 200 bill gold is worth nine trillion dollars so you know so why do people buy gold they they use it because it's a store value and you know what i mean is it's it's a fixed supply it's a fixed supply but it, it does it's not the best use of money um, like it's not a great use of money. Bitcoin is a better use of money because it's a better medium of exchange. You can't divide gold the same way you can divide Bitcoin. So when you think about it, it's only going to be 21 million Bitcoin. And if people agree that Bitcoin has value, like if we get more and more adoption of that belief, then for it to get to where gold is, that would be a 45 X. That would be 450,000. So to think that it can't get to a quarter of gold and my personal belief is that it's properties of what gold is, is better than gold because the reason that we give gold value is because we, it's scarce, but we don't know how much gold is out there. We're still mining it. You know what I mean? So there's a lot that we don't know. We could have technical uh, advancements and find out that there's a lot of gold in space. We could We could find gold somewhere else. And what I'm saying is that there's a there's a uncertainty of what the supply is for gold and that's a nine trillion dollar market bitcoin it's literally in the code it's 21 million period no other universe no you know you you have these other cryptocurrencies but if we gravitate to a world where that is a store of value to see bitcoin get to two trillion dollars is not crazy at all hmm you know what's interesting? Did y'all see this week that um in Iran, I believe, the power plants got the green light uh, for Bitcoin? Yes, money? sir. They, that's their national strategy. We've been talking about it. They have a national strategy to mine Bitcoin. 
Why? Because U.S. sanctions and we've been weaponizing the dollar. Damn. That's interesting because I feel like we might go into a straight out currency war. We're in it. We're in it. You believe you believe that we're in it right now. We're yeah, in I it. believe it's, I, I believe we're in it. That's, uh, w- when when countries basically say we have a national Bitcoin mining strategy, we're in it. Right. We're mm-hmm. in it. But and and, it's, and, and they're not alone, right? You have Venezuela as well. You know what I mean? Who's dealing with similar situation? We still have this ongoing crisis. This is a global recession, and other countries are going to be hurt more than the U.S. So you know, you also have places like Nigeria. We'll have to see what happens there. Um, yeah, because that's another place that I could see really, really getting behind Bitcoin. Um. Yeah, man, and China, you know, they they make it China, Russia, all of these, all of these places, all of these countries where we don't have where we don't have favorable relationships in the U.S. They have every incentive to try to get away from the dollar and they're trying to figure it out. We have blockchain technology now. We can do trade in a different way. And um, that's 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 why I think Bitcoin is unstoppable or crypto, I should say, is unstoppable, whether it's Bitcoin or it ends up being something else. That's why you got to stay on top of the space and, you know, do your research so that, you know, when we got a left turn, when we got a right turn, you know, what I'm saying when you got a busted U-turn, K-turn, I don't know all of them, but it's it's every which way in this industry and it's always moving. It's crazy. Yeah, and, I, and I think electricity is dirt cheap over in Iran too. So they're probably going to take advantage of that shit. It, it's crazy because earlier this week I was like how like all these decentralized apps and privacy coins and you know different blockchain technology that's coming up through crypto. I was like it'll probably aid in like a, a new cold war, war. Like a currency war or economic war whatever people want to call it and you know what x told me x asked me what was i smoking i mean i, I don't remember that but <laughs> no i i think you were talking about what if we could send i know what the fuck we were talking about you asked like yo what what would be what would happen if we could just send like crypto from mars down to earth mm-hmm. and i'm like bro you think they're gonna? I I know that sounds crazy, but I thought about that too. I was like, they talk that they're, they're talking about planning on colonizing other planets, right? So like, right? You're not gonna bring cash or gold up there. Does that make sense? Nah. But you could carry a simple ledger. You could set up something simple for exchanges. And well, that's the advantage of crypto over something like gold. Like, wasn't it Iran who flew like gold bars in Venezuela a couple months ago? Yes. Through a, through a private jet. Yes. Like that's crazy. Two they countries just, two countries sanctioned by the US. Right. And they could just send um crypto like Bitcoin right over the internet and it should have been there in seconds. Or they could send Monero if they don't want to have prying eyes. You know what I'm saying? Like you don't want people to see how you transacted on the type of money uh that's going on between countries. I think a lot of countries are going to start to adopt privacy coins but that's another reason why the u.s is against i'm not going to name names large exchanges listing privacy coins such as monero you know what though i can see countries using bitcoin just to flex power you know show a power like look y'all can't stop this 
<laughs> you know, like, yeah, I can't. I, I just sent, you know, 10 million Bitcoin to this country. What are you going to do about it? Like, well, can't they, can't they like freeze certain addresses or some shit like that? Yeah, but by that time, they could probably move it off of whatever address it was at. I mean, they, they can't freeze addresses that they don't have the private keys to. Hmm. Great point. Yeah, they can't. No, they can't freeze address. Like, if one country's transacting with another country, it has nothing to do with it. That's the whole point of Bitcoin, is you can't censor it. Mm. The only thing well, that makes me think. Is it Russia like the, the largest Bitcoin miner in the world? No, China. Oh, China is. China, and that. So, that's one of the biggest risks of Bitcoin, in my opinion, and something that actually worries me about Bitcoin is that. China has 65% of the mining power um, or the hash rate and 55% of that is in one province. So that's the equivalent of a state here. So that's like that's that's like saying like all 55% of the world's hash rate in Bitcoin or mining power is, was, is in the equivalent of Texas, except it's in China where they have a communist party. So something that bothers me about that is the idea of what if they sort of just took it <laughs> like what if they went into whoever was operating those mines and just took it over and then crashed the network that worries me i don't know you know what i'm saying i don't know the incentives i don't i haven't gotten too too much into it to understand how likely that is but the fact that so much of it is concentrated there in china and let alone in one province that does worry me a little bit you know what's crazy? Something I thought about. Um, so, like, let's say somebody was to drop an EMP where those mines are, right? That still doesn't stop. It. Like, wait, what's EMP? It's an electromagnetic pulse, magnetic pulse. So it will basically like stop the computers from working. But it can, I mean, it might even affect ledgers because it, it affects anything that you know has we call it. Electricity running through it, basically. Oh, that's some next level war shit right there. Nah, that shit is old. Shit is old. But uh, it still doesn't stop people from um, using using Bitcoin because all you need is your was it your seed phrases. You could recover the wallet. Right. But it could take down the security. I mean, the mining. Right, like you were saying, if you if fifty five percent of it this is in one place. You know what I mean? And it's in China. And like I said, I'm not I don't have feet on the ground in China, so all I all I know is what I hear. But um to me it seems like there's a risk there that they could do something like that. So just something to keep in mind. Long term, you know what I mean? I, I don't think I don't know. I don't know what's gonna happen, but I don't think that's happening soon. It kind of, it kind of, it does, it does keep me thinking, though. Yeah, um, there was a report that came out earlier this year about Russia. It was a Russian nuclear plant. It was renting its space to Bitcoin miners. So these, you know, certain people in these countries, they know what the fuck is up, (laughs) right? And they know where things are headed and I, and I believe the largest Bitcoin mine in Russia 
pretty much just in a very cold region of their country. Um, and the electricity is cheap. And so they turn water into cash, which is just really crazy to think about. But yeah, these countries, they, they tooling up. It's like, you know, like Marlowe was saying season four, they tell our people to tool up. I think that's exactly what Putin is doing. I think that is what President Xi is doing um, over in China. And I think other foreign actors will continue to do. And if we don't, if we don't get smart about this shit, we could end up on, you know, on a losing end, unfortunately. All right. Tech earnings this week was surprising for me. Um, one that ended up turning out to be right was Google. That's, you know, just the ad revenue went down. But Apple had earnings that blew it out the water. And one thing that stood out to me from the earnings call was Tim Cook talking about we believe this is a result. One of the things they believe the result of a great quarter was sustained economic stimulus. Now, that stimulus money might be drying up. We'll We'll touch on that later, but we saw Amazon have crazy earnings. Amazon might be headed to 4K apiece. They need to do a stock split. But Apple also announced a stock split as well. Which Tim Cook said it was about driving more accessibility to their stock and getting more people in it who may view Apple as too expensive at 400 apiece. I, I forgot what it, I think it ended the trading day yesterday at 425 apiece. She, you mind breaking down the stock split? Just, just a tidbit. Yeah. So a stock split is is pretty simple. All all it means is that if you have one share of Apple and it's four hundred dollars, just use round numbers. Instead of that, you're going to get four shares of Apple. For every one share you have, you get four in return, and then the price is going to go from four hundred dollars to one hundred dollars. So you keep the same value, but you have more shares. And the reason that a company will do that is because optically, when people get onto a website and they want to trade, there's a lot of people who say, oh, $400, I can't afford that. But when they see $100, that's more, they feel like that's more accessible. So that's that, that's that in a nutshell. I mean, that kind of explains why in during the last bull on the crypto, people will go to Coinbase, they'll see, you know, Bitcoin at... <laughs> 15,000, 60,000, and they don't think that they could buy a fraction. So they're like, oh, I can't afford that. What was the cheapest thing that they saw at that time? Because I think, I believe they only had four assets listed. Was it XRP? Yeah, Ripple. Um, it was probably Ripple. Yeah, Ripple. Because it was, it was I mean, before I, they even listed. Oh, no, it was Litecoin. Nah, it was, it was Litecoin. It was Ripple. That's why Ripple got okay. ran up. Got you. Got you. Okay, that, that may have been the case, but I know Litecoin also benefited from being one of the few assets on Coinbase at that time. So people saw Ethereum, ah, that's a little bit too expensive. Bitcoin is way expensive. Oh, Litecoin over here is only like 150 or 100 at a time. I actually remember being in a taxi in New York. Twan calls me and was like, yo, people are gonna are gonna start to flow into Litecoin. And I said, fuck out of here. He was like, no, watch, like, because it's the cheap, it's one of the cheapest things on there. Next thing I know, 24 hours later, I'm headed to JFK. Litecoin that went from like 100 to 300 in a day. That's crazy. That's crazy. And I'm like, wow, he was right. Like he was right. And if you had put, you know, 10K in at the time, or maybe it was 150 and it went to 300. I can't remember. 
But I just know I was looking at it. I was like, yo, if you put in 10K, you would have doubled your money in a day. Yo. Like that. Sometimes, like, yo, I mean, crypto in the market is very similar, man. It's, it's, it's psychology, man. So you got to think like, yo, sometimes you got to think like a beginner. Like, yo, how is a beginner, a person that really doesn't know anything about crypto or the market going to invest? And sometimes, like, yo, I don't know, taking those risks and investing with them work out. Sometimes it don't. I ain't going front. Sometimes it don't. But in that case, it worked out for me. But it's, that that's not every case. Right. So I think the stock split can be a positive catalyst for Apple, uh, given that their asset price will look, you know, their stock price will look cheaper. Um, I think you, you're right, maybe. Because the thing is, the thing, so w- one thing that didn't used to be um, possible was Robinhood wasn't always around where you could buy a fraction of the share. And the reason that you uh, introduce a stock split is generally for retail investors. So it's possible that a lot of them can already buy Apple um, on Robinhood. But, you know, maybe it maybe it does make a, a small difference. Right. And they might drop it up. I might play it as just buying some leaps on Apple after the stock split, right? Two years out, and for those out there that don't know what a leap is, it's just like making a long-term bet. You buy a call contract, which is basically like taking a bet on a stock, and you're saying, I think it'll be this price, right? So let's say you buy a call contract for, you know, if it splits and it goes to 125, you say, well, I think Apple will be worth 175 in 2022. You buy that. That's like a leap, right? And you buy it and it doesn't expire. That contract doesn't expire to like June. So you're taking a long-term bet that within 18 months, Apple will hit that price, right? And, and the more it goes up or it sees it, the more valuable your contract you know, becomes. And you can flip that into the market. It doesn't even have to, it can just get close to it. So after the split, I might look into that. But I wonder if this will cause uh, Bezos to... Um, split Amazon stock because I feel like it's gotten crazy expensive. Or oh, they just gonna keep dominating and run up they they price to like ten thousand a piece. Amazon had crazy numbers after they during the last earnings report they told everybody to calm down, but they blew through expectations. I think it was forty percent year over year growth this quarter. Yeah, man. I mean, it's crazy. Billions of dollars growing at forty percent—it's insane. Tens of billions of dollars is, growing is at forty percent. Is it fair to say though, like Amazon's like the premier e-retailer though? Like, uh, yeah, yeah. So I mean, they're they're benefiting from two core trends for two like secular trends for this this century is the rise of e-commerce and the increased adoption of the cloud. It's crazy. And now we are. Yeah, yeah, now AI. They're perfectly positioned for the next 20, 30 years. Yeah, I mean, yeah, but I feel like when you're like an Amazon, you still got to be careful because at any point, an Amazon can become a blockbuster. You know what I mean? Like, but not by not looking at the up and coming competition and seeing what they're doing to be innovative. Um, so. As much as they're up right now, like at any point in time, things could change. It's always changing. 
We talked we talked about it briefly last week, but the whole movement towards the decentralized web. I, don't, I honestly think Amazon is so far ahead of any company that nobody's catching them. But I do think that um, there's a possibility that through decentralizing the next generation of technology, that ends up being a threat to them. Bezos the new Rockefeller. No, he is. He is the John D of our of our lifetime. Yeah, and on the theme of decentralization, a lot of these uh, companies, these big tech companies, they were in, in uh, hearings at the, with the uh, with Congress this week about whether or not you know they were monopolies or not, which is crazy. It has uh, big implications for like, all right, what's the future of business on the web? What's so funny to me is that every time Zuckerberg is on Capitol Hill or testifying, he seems so shook. Like he's either very socially awkward or he just knows that that man, the threat of Facebook being broken up could spell the potential end of Facebook over time. Yeah. Like right now, Facebook seems like unstoppable. Right? They got their hands on so many different things but we see how fickle the consumer is look how they turned on Yahoo 20 years ago nobody saw Yahoo slowing down nobody saw the end of Yahoo coming but then look what look what happened yo you want to Yahoo it or you want to Google it yeah <laughs> right Google came through and crushed the building Yo, so over the, I would probably short Facebook. Not right now, but I think in the next five years, I don't see them having this staying power. I don't. I I don't know. It's hard to say. I don't know. What I what I was going to say though for for a long time, the internet operated as the new Wild West, where you did what you want, kind of with very few to like little repercussions because um, government didn't know how to govern it. They still don't. But because now you have more and more people getting elected to Congress that are familiar with this technology, yo, the Wild West Day is about to be over. What do you think is the likelihood of them breaking up any of these companies? I think Facebook is most likely. Same here. Uh, I don't think it's far fetched to say Google or Amazon will be would 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 not be broken up as well. Like I, I would put them in the same category as a Facebook in terms of it being highly probable they get broken up in the next ten years. So one of the things they'll look at is something that's called the um, HHI, like Herschel, I'm forgetting the middle, but it's an index of um, basically market share. And I feel like in terms of social media, the, the one you could argue that social media is a public good. Like if you're creating online communities, I feel like there's more of an argument for that. And for a company to dominate like 80% or something like that of the market share, like I honestly think that's the argument. Um But I mean we'll see. Same time though, like yo, in in many ways you really 
because of the way that Amazon's in all sorts of e-commerce technology from the clouds to the, the way people set up websites, like everything, yo, you really can't get around Amazon in order to enter that market for e-commerce if you're a small business. I mean, Shopify is $150 billion. There's a big business. It's not like Amazon is owning the complete space. Like eBay is still tens of billions of dollars. I, and I hear what you're saying. Like, yes, Amazon is absolutely dominant, but they also have Walmart, who's now doing the same thing. Like, it's it's, it's less obvious. Like, it's less than Facebook. Mm. Um, yes, like, I, I agree. Amazon is... I, I personally think Amazon is a better company. I personally think Amazon is more dominant. But from a regulation standpoint, and then the argument of speech and how how rights get involved... I just think Facebook has a lot more risk from that perspective. Anybody peep how Microsoft was not at these hearings? <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. Like, what makes, you know, like, what was the criteria for this? Apple was there. Facebook was there. I don't know why Google Apple was there. there. But Microsoft wasn't there. I'm starting to believe that Microsoft has pivoted into a complete enterprise behemoth, and that's why they're avoiding smoke. And they're in bed with the government, deep in bed. Remember, Amazon lost that contract to, it was the $10 billion uh, Pentagon contract to Microsoft. Mm hmm. Well, when you don't mess with Mr. Gates. Well, so Microsoft been in the game for a while, right? So there's like two companies that, you know, in a, in a, two companies that are basically like, yo, they're in the game for a while. Like, there's no way like you're not going to use their technology. And that's IBM and Microsoft, right? So the government- Apple too. I mean, Wait, Apple been around since the 70s. What, you, what are you talking yeah, about? Like, when, you, when you go into a, a public official's office, when you go into a government office, they're not using Apple. None of them. You know who that's, they are using? True. They're using they're using the Microsoft Office suite. Everyone uses that, you know, and then they're using IBM computers. I mean, that's fair, but I don't think that should excuse them, right, from being looked at as a dominant player in this space. Nah, but maybe that's why they didn't get the call. Yeah. Mm. Come on, man. Buddy, buddy with Trump. Yeah, this is the issue with centralized authorities, you know, governing people's lives. It's like, are they, are they able to stay? You know what I mean? Basically, neutral enough. Like, are they able to ignore human nature? Are they able to actually serve other people's best interests without their own considerations? Like, these are. That's why the next movement is decentralization. What's crazy is that we called out. Remember, we talked about Amazon, like just go long on Amazon, Amazon everything. And I think it was at the time trading at 2200, 2300. And as of yesterday, it's north of 3K, looking like it's headed to 4K. Because Bezos is moving like God out here. He's got his hand in everything from. Planet Research, right? Uh, the cloud, you know, AWS is crazy. 
I didn't realize how many people didn't shop on Amazon until COVID. That was the that was the other thing that shocked me. There's a lot of people who are just now using Amazon. Yeah. And I and I don't know if these are the 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 Sears babies, right? From from that generation or they maybe are. the Walmart types who never shopped on, you know, online, just went into Yo, Walmart. I can't but tell I, you how much time my grandmother spends on Amazon now. My grandmother's about to be 80. And she got a new laptop. You know what I'm saying? Every time I call, every time, every time we talk, she's like, yo, I'm on the computer. Like, <laughs> I'm like, what you doing today? Well, I can't go nowhere. I'm on the computer. I'm like, oh, okay. Okay, Nana. And she's like, yeah, I just got some stuff on Amazon. Right. So, nah, it's a, it's a whole, it's a whole, that whole generation. Late adopters. Adoption curves. We talk about this all the time. Mm, right. Adoption I curves. I was under the impression, and maybe that's just me living in a bubble, that who who doesn't have Amazon? Because I thought everybody used Amazon to keep it a stack with you. I thought everybody used Amazon, but apparently that wasn't the case. Now they do, gotta- man. Yo, Amazon is killing a lot of competition, man. Like, because you can buy anything off of it. You can buy anything. Mm, can't buy cannabis right now. But I, I, I guarantee you, as soon as you know it's federally legalized, Amazon's gonna roll something out. What's funny is they own pill pack. Amazon is also has their their hands in pharmaceuticals. Yeah, and more and more people will start to get their drugs delivered rather than going to CVS. So over time, they'll probably eat into that business as well. Yeah, these motherfuckers, man. What don't they own at this point? They literally had their hands in everything. And what's funny, Twan, you brought up an interesting point, or maybe she, like, people are just at home. That's why Zuckerberg said in their earnings report, they saw a record number of people spending time on Facebook because everybody's at home. Hmm. A lot of people was not going out working, right? When When you're living your best life, you're probably not opening up the Facebook app. It's probably people who open up the Facebook app for the first time in years because they were that bored. Well, I don't know, man. I feel like a lot of people that are still living great lives are still on the social media because they want to show the type of life that they're living. That's a good point. I don't do social, so <laughs> I'm not. You're right, so I'm not that pressed to. You know, go that route, but you're right. A lot of people are spending time on Instagram, and we know that Facebook owns Instagram. But what leads me to my next point? Hold up, hold up, hold up. And if you haven't already, please follow us on Trading Places Pod on Instagram. All right, go ahead, bro. Yes, please. We we all on there. <laughs> Just personally, you can't find me. But uh, what leads to my next point is that okay, we saw Tim Cook say sustain economic stimulus. We saw Zuckerberg say more people are spending time, you know, on Facebook either out of boredom or you know they're not working right now. We saw the you know was it I think the the lowest GDP has been in uh, history. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, yeah, please I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, it's the biggest on record, the, the biggest discrete decrease in GDP on record. Yeah, but it's a lot more than it was in 08. Let's just say it that way. I feel like if we just say it that way flat out, it's very easy for people to understand. 
Like when you look at the chart, it's like easily two or three times as bad as 08. And that's crazy to think about because we're now, I think the unemployment benefits or the extra pandemic insurance came to an end last week. They have not agreed between Pelosi and Mnuchin. I don't think they've agreed on um, extending the benefits. And right now, Republicans want 200 extra on top of your regular unemployment benefits rather than 600. And we've seen countless interviews with employers going on TV saying they're having difficulty hiring because people are sitting at home making more than they would working for their companies. Yeah. So I just looked it up. GDP three times worse than it was in the shock and oil. That's fucking crazy. Three times. Three times and worse. 1.4 million uh, jobless claims this week. 19th week in a row. That more than a million. 19 weeks straight of a million or more. That's wild to think about. And on top of that, a lot of these people can't go back to jobs. So we're seeing these politicians talk about, well, people don't want to work. I think a lot of these people can't go back to work because either the industry disappeared overnight. Right. Or there's no need for them. If you live in a place like L.A. where they have they still have, you know, their restrictions on and you worked in a bar and you're a bartender and bars aren't open. Where do you go find work? Because you're a skilled worker. What they're saying is for people who are, for example, like say you worked at a gym or say you worked at a restaurant or something like that. Say you're earning an hourly wage and then you go into unemployment and, you know, now you're making two times as much money and you don't have to go to work. Well, then when you get the call from, you know, whoever, maybe your supervisor at the restaurant. They're like, hey, we need you to come in, but hey, maybe it's these reduced hours. We, we're changing things around. You're not going to get as many tips because we don't have as much traffic. You know, we only have a third of the restaurant. So you can go in and expend your energy on that and make half the money. Or you can say, hey, I don't feel comfortable. Um, I might get COVID. So there's some people who, who are doing that and then going to the club. And you have some people who... Uh, don't who actually are afraid of you know getting it and spread it in their families and what they're saying is that the incentive structure of giving people twice as much money to not come in and work is is bad and they they feel like they need to change that because you have the perfect excuse no i don't want to get covid i can't come back so it's kind of complicated and jo- I, I believe the jobless claims number is going to go even higher in the next week. I do. T- well, I don't know about. I'm not necessarily going to call weeks, but um, right. there's a lot of people who got that PPP money um, who have to just keep people on payroll until September 30th. Right. So I'm expecting a big wave unless they I mean, I expect them to just extend all of this stuff at the last minute. Like they always do, and just kick the can down the road and say we'll worry about it later. But we'll see. Who knows? Right. This, you the the unemployment did just lapse. Yeah. Lapse. So whatever does get approved is going to be at least four to six weeks to get everything processed and back up and running. So whatever happens from this point, 
we're four weeks behind schedule. So people won't actually get the money until four weeks from now if everything gets approved Monday. Big facts. Probably won't happen. On top of that, they said in this past quarter, consumer spending was down 35%. What do you think is going to happen when people don't have a little bit of extra money, you know, to go out? Extra money. Extra money. These people need it. Yeah, right. It's a, Those people need it. People need it. So we might see it go down even more. Consumer spending might be down 50%. In Q3. And on top of that, we got 20% of American renters facing eviction within the next 30 days, less than 30 days. Yeah, I mean, it might be really fucking ugly out here. Which is, I don't think I don't think we started to see the true impacts of COVID just yet on the broader economy, like in housing. Like we talked about this earlier, like very briefly, um, way back in April. You know what was going to happen to the money service, you know, businesses. I mean, not the. I'm, I'm sorry, mortgage service, mortgage services. Look, man. I, I don't. I think a lot of the a lot of those companies might be in deep shit once these forbearance periods end. So some people are already in deep shit, man. Uh, this this economy right now is a slippery slope, and what I mean by that is. The course of action that's currently going on, which is people with that have no ability to make a means to make an income right now, um, because they have no means to make an income, because they have no cash flows, it it can lead to something like disastrous. And I I I personally believe, like I could be wrong. This disastrous thing could be another housing market crisis. Um, and the reason why I say that is you got people that are already not paying rent, right? And probably have no means to pay rent because they're not going to be able to go back to the jobs that they thought they could. And so now you have landlords that have tenants that they can't remove, or if they do remove, they still can't find new tenants for these places. Um, these landlords have these buildings under LLCs or corporations, and maybe some of them are getting paycheck protection or under the paycheck protection program, but that's stopping. Maybe some of them aren't. Um, and so now they have no cash flows, right? And they have no means to pay their bills or pay their employees. So they gotta let people go. And that's also adding to it. Um, It's going to lead to foreclosures, could lead to, you know, um, tax liens or waterboard liens, which, you know, like I said, (laughs) it's a slippery slope could lead to a housing crisis. Yeah, it could. It could. I mean, because especially in areas of like more densely populated, so big metropolitan areas so like your San Francisco's your your New York's your LA you know those big cyclical markets I feel like are more exposed yeah for sure <sighs> well we also I mean we already saw it in but then again oh I want to finish this thought one then again um mortgage rates are so low and so much of the properties are being bought up by commercial entities that 
maybe more and more real estate just goes into these big real estate private equity buyers or these big real estate investment firms so and you just have more people renting that's i mean that's true but are they gonna rent at a price that people can afford right no and- but they'll they'll get the assets i mean you know what i mean like yeah if if the credit market falls so the thing about the real estate is as long as there's credit there's buyers mm. So it's kind of the same thing with a Fed can provide a backstop as long as there's asset funds. You know what I mean? They can absorb the assets. So if they're providing liquidity and, you know, they're buying stuff off the balance sheet and maybe they have a bunch of distressed sales. But these institutions, it's possible that they come in and they provide a they provide a support level somewhere. You know what I mean? I don't I don't know what's going to happen. What you're saying all make fundamentally makes sense, but we're living in this alternative universe where we're making money up with debt. No, you're so, right. I mean, I stated that earlier. I was like, could happen, could not. I mean, that's another thing, theory that you brought up. Um, yeah, they could they could buy these distressed properties. But even with that, I mean, if you can't fill them with tenants or, you know, sell at least break it up and sell it as condos or co-ops like well they have this thing called opportunity zones now mm-hmm. so so, yeah. so so you know what i'm saying they, they don't they 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 real they real slick with it you know what i'm saying and what what it, what the rule is is if you have capital gains so it, what a capital gain is it means you've held an asset for a year or more and you can sell that asset and if you invest into an opportunity zone you're shielded from taxes for seven years and your tax basis goes down by 10%. If you hold it for 10 years and the only thing you have to do is upgrade the use. So what I'm saying is like, there's a bunch of rules where these institutions can take their capital gains, get in these assets while the cycle is down and hold. And that's what happens every recovery. And what I'm saying is that these institutions are getting bigger and bigger. Not to say we won't have a price correction. We very well could. But there's so much debt and and credit being provided, especially to big institutional buyers that, you know, I I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. I feel like they could end up buying up a bunch more assets in this cycle and just holding it. And with the stuff like Opportunity Zones, escaping taxes. Oh, man, that's that's an interesting point, man. I kind of think that uh, it could lead to another urban decay, though. Big facts. Well, we saw the. Who, I forget what CEO it was. Maybe it was Zillow's. Um, someone that came out and said that there's been a surge in interest and demand for suburban properties, and then we saw Trump put out that tweet earlier this week, saying, "Hey, if you live in suburbia, you no longer have to worry about crime." Um, a lot of just pandering to his base, right? Uh, and dog whistles. Like we see that plain and clear. And anybody who says different, you're a bozo. You're a certified bozo. Like he knows what he's doing. And mo- and a lot of people probably don't want to live in cities anymore. So that tax base that they were making from like moderately middle class or you know high upper class they're moving back to suburbia 10 years ago every 
everyone wanted to be in the city. No one wanted to be in the suburbs. But we're now seeing a reverse, especially with the acceleration of work from home. If you if you never have to go into an office, why the fuck would you stay in New York City? Why? Like, why do you want to if you if you have to work from home, wouldn't you rather not pay three thousand dollars for 700 square feet? Wouldn't you rather like not have a corner if you have a wife and kids in your own home trying to, you know, scrouch up on the on the end of the couch with your laptop and your knees and your and your lap. You know what I'm saying? Trying to get some work done. Why why not just, you know what I'm saying? Come on down south. Come on down south. Shit. Move if you're in New York, move upstate New York, right? (laughs) Like Syracuse or some Rochester. You can work from anywhere in the world. So at that point, it makes no sense to stay in New York. And that was the hold that a lot of these cities had. A lot of the big, powerful companies were concentrated in places like San Francisco proper, right? New York City, LA. But now you're like, man, fuck this. I don't have to deal with this. I can go live in Vegas and have zero state income tax and still pull in my, my California salary or my New York salary. I mean, obviously, it may adjust based on local market rates. I know some companies are doing that, but I, I've also heard of other companies paying like the same rate they would pay if an employee lived in California. So if you know you can get a California bag without the California taxes, come on. And I honestly think that'll be a really, really good thing for society because what it, what ends up happening in these big markets is like in terms of mobility, like being able to move from one class to another, a lot what they're doing is they're sucking a lot of top talent into these cities and you know they a lot of people end up working jobs that are well paying but it's very difficult to save in some of these cities um so i honestly think that allowing that talent to work remotely and plan their financial life and figure out assets and figure out how to build businesses i honestly think that'll be just better for society as a whole it'll free up people to where you know talent can literally be remote and they can actually secure their financial future at younger ages and then people who have talent who have things to offer to the world will be able to access that and tap into that a lot more easy easily i can see that now i agree on those points um we're gonna see major shifts because of covid right we said this from the beginning it was gonna change a lot of shit and it's now starting to play out right so you still i mean you have secular trends like the the adoption of video chat platforms or whatnot it's just it's gonna change the way how we work forever it's gonna change the way we commute um certain places that we go you know i I can't go anywhere now without seeing them damn stickers on the ground six feet social distancing yeah I mean, some people may never be comfortable going in large gatherings again. And for a lot of places, this has fucked up the money for club owners. Unless oh, you're, yeah. you know, in somewhere like Atlanta right now. <laughs> but Atlanta's it's still fucked up. Nightlife. Right. It, it's fucked up nightlife everywhere. Like Vegas is dead. There is no nightlife in Vegas. So it's fucked up their local economy. So they're going to have to make up this money somehow some way but for a lot of people their jobs aren't coming back for another year or two the report came out that the travel industry right the travel industry won't be back the prediction was that the travel industry won't be back to pre-covid levels until 2023 
And we know on September 30th or after September 30th, a lot of those airlines about the 86, a bunch of employees. Because they're like, yo, we have no need for you. We just have to satisfy the requirements of these loans that we got from the government. Right. And then we will try to automate. Right. We will try to automate. I mean, they're already trying to automate away uh, truck drivers by having... Trying to automate away everything. (laughs) Facts. Everything. If you don't know how to build it... Everything? Everything. Yes. If you don't know how to build it or sell it, you're in trouble. I, I think Amer- America and Europe is becoming those automated places. I I believe like there's still some countries where it won't be as automated and there's going to be a lot of space for growth in those countries in terms of industries up and coming. Mainly Latin America and Africa. Africa for sure. People are asleep on Africa. I mean, that's that's a whole nother episode, right? But there are real opportunities in Africa, and you could actually gain exposure through different instruments in the market. You know, you can gain exposure to Africa through different instruments in the market. But yeah, we should we should talk about that on a on a separate at a separate time. But I think people need to be aware of those opportunities because it's it's coming, especially in like agriculture. Like very niche agricultural pockets. Yeah, Africa's at the forefront. And you gotta get on that. Speaking of Africa, Zimbabwe agrees to agreed to pay 3.5 billion. Billion, not million, a billion, 3.5 billion in compensation to white farmers. They're giving white farmers reparations. Wish they took loans. They took loans to pay because they don't have the money. They took that. They they took loans to pay reparations. I really don't get Zimbabwe, man. It's always some fuck shit that comes out about them every month. Them arresting people for not using their currency because their currency doesn't is fucking useless. Now they're taking out loans to pay back white farmers. Why are they even? Can someone explain to me why the fuck are they paying these white farmers to begin with? So, like, um, I don't know if you know, but, like, Zimbabwe had, like, a, a president named Robert Mugabe. And, like, I think he came into office in, like, the 70s. Maybe, like, the early 80s. Can't remember. But, uh, like, a part of his, when he came into office, was basically, you know, redistributing the land to black farmers and taking them from white Zimbabweans of European ancestry. And the reason why he did that, because he felt like, um, you know, for years, um, uh, white uh, supremacy in Zimbabwe has taken over and, you know, made it so that black Africans that lived in Zimbabwe had no ability to make a means. So he did this redistribution of land. Um, With that, I mean, can't lie, he killed some people over that, you know? Um, So right now, what you're seeing is, uh, you know, I guess them paying them, those families reparations for that. I have mixed feelings about it. 
and the reason why I'm not for violence, but at the same time, like when you know Europeans went into Zimbabwe, that's what they that's what they did. They killed people and took their land. They didn't they didn't really give them an option. And now you're paying they're paying reparations to the ancestors of the same people that did that to them. Like I don't I don't know. I'm not rolling. I'm not rolling. We shouldn't be paying like yo, know, black people should not be paying white people for shit that they did to us. Fuck out of here. And if there's anybody out there that's offended by that, oh well. You don't gotta listen no more. But I st- I'm standing by that. Yeah, man. <sighs> Like I'm just I'm just I'm standing by that. Like we fed up, we tired, right? Uh but um I'm not gonna speak no more on it, but when I saw the headline, I thought it was an onion article. <laughs> I, I legit thought it was an onion article, right? Um so that was just something that stood out like I had to bring it up just I I couldn't believe it, but Yo, watch list. What's on your watch list, man? Um, this week, I, I know Carvana has earnings coming up. Roku got earnings coming up. They've been on my watch list for quite some time. I'm really looking forward to seeing what their earnings look like, especially Carvana. I think they're going to benefit from they, they, from COVID. Right? COVID was a tailwind because more and more people are getting comfortable with getting a car delivered to their home, like Glade plugins from Amazon. So that's on my watch list, and then. Crypto, looking at X, SXP, Swipe. They're doing some interesting things, but I got to do some more due diligence. Uh, but they're on my radar. Yeah, crypto. It's all crypto right now for me. Um, Trust Swap. Ticker is SWAP, Swap. Um, you have to get on Uniswap, on Uniswap to get it. It's a decentralized exchange. You can get on Uniswap with one inch. Um, one of these decentralized exchanges, you cannot just log on to a centralized exchange like Coinbase, Binance or Kraken and get it. Um, but this is a, a subscription cryptocurrency. So it's built for Internet payments. You can do things like will you can do. You, you can basically put it, put your stuff in a, a smart contract and basically have a time release or an event release um, for payments in the future or token swaps. It is brilliant project market cap is like 10 million 12 million so i'm in i'm in this right now for for the long run i think this one could go crazy go crazy yeah i'm 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 not really interested in the equities market right now i'm mostly been looking at um crypto um eth of course and uh and monero honestly um that's where i'm spending my time i'm looking at some of these other <coughs> alts as well such as Ave which was which is something we discussed before but uh yeah not not much has changed for me okay any petty puts this week I, I don't have any um I'm not against anything right now that I can really think of uh, uh no but one more for the watch list ampleforth 
So um, I have yeah, explain that because I, I'm starting to see some chatter, you know, around di- you know across the internet on Ample Forth, and I think it could potentially be listed on Coinbase soon. Um, so can you can you explain to the people, you know, why? Yeah, I'll do the best I can right now. Um, it's a it's a great project. Um, it's an experiment, though. So what they're trying to do is so so Bitcoin is scarce, but it's not elastic. And what elastic means is that the supply can go up and down. So you have your Bitcoin money where it's scarce and inelastic, which means that it's a fixed amount, but you can't change it. So you can't move it up and down for booms and busts in the economy. Your fiat money, so like your U.S. dollar, is not scarce and it's elastic, which means you can just move it up and down however much you can create whatever you might want. It's like it's like monopoly money. It doesn't it doesn't mean anything unless people believe it does. So what Ampleforth is trying to do is they're trying to create something that's, that's scarce but elastic, which means you can change the supply up and down, um, but it's scarce because as they change the supply up and down, they redistribute the new coins to the people who already own it. So if you own 1% of all the Ampleforth, when they create more tokens, they give you 1% of the new tokens. So in your wallet, in your ledger, you know, if uh, if you had 100 tokens and the price goes up, so it, they try to peg it to a dollar. So if it goes up, um, let's say to $2, then in the rebase period where they try to bring it down, the way they bring the price down is they create more ample forth and they just give it to people. So if you had 100, now you have 200 because the price went double and then the, and then the price goes back down and they do that every day. So um, it's already made people like people who got in at the beginning of July have already 70 X their money. So they've already made 70 times their money. If you put a thousand in, you've made 70 K. Um. So I haven't gotten into the project yet. I still have a couple questions that I'm trying to work through myself to get comfortable. But very, very interesting project. I think it has the potential to potentially be bigger than Bitcoin. That's why I'm not rushing to get in. I want to make sure that I uh, I have all of my questions answered because this has a lot. Of, this has really big potential, but it's an experiment. Hmm. Yeah, I gotta look more into it. Um, Uniswap, seeing some mixed reporting on Uniswap. So yeah, I just gotta look more into it. I'm not 100 percent sure uh, what's gonna happen there about any of these, you know, any of these assets, including Bitcoin. We don't know what the fuck is gonna happen. Uh, but things are starting to heat up in the crypto space, and the the next few months is gonna be interesting, especially if they start to print up more money and we get closer to the election. I think. That's just something and I know Trump has floated out the idea of delaying it as well. I don't know if that's going to happen, uh, but I think all hell is going to break loose regardless the closer we get to the election. So we'll see. Uh, any shout outs y'all want to give before we get up out of here? Shout out to Monero Gang. Shout out to the decentralized exchanges. Mm. <laughs> Yeah, shout out to the uh, shout out to our new listeners in Nigeria, mm. um, and then our new listener in Croatia. I don't know how you found this, but yo, salute to you! All right, 
So, as usual, investments and securities can involve great risk. This podcast is just for informational purposes only. Remember that. Um, We should not be relied upon for financial advice. Please consult with a licensed financial advisor before you purchase or sell any securities or buy any stocks, any crypto. You know, talk to somebody, you know, who has a professional career in that. And uh, with that, we're out. Oh, just a reminder, we won't be doing an episode next week, but we'll be back. Uh, the following Saturday. So thank you for all of our, you know, loyal listeners and we'll be back, you know, better. But catch you on a couple weeks. All right, we Peace. out. I can see that bullshit from a mile away. See you can step my mother about a mile away. Stack it. I got three white bitches like it's powder day. White meat coat with them rolls like a sharp And all of my bitches says it call them barbays. She looking back like I'm flexing, baby, no way. Uh-uh. And lately I've been on we that juice. Chick, I got a chick. Yeah, I done got me a chick, I got a chick.